Hebrews 2, 5 to 18. Jesus made like his brothers. It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking, but there is a place where someone has testified. What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honour and put everything under his feet. In putting everything under him, God left nothing that is not subject to him. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to him, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honour because he suffered death, so that by grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. Both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers. In the presence of the congregation, I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here am I and the children God has given me. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fears of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he had to be made like his brothers in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people, because he himself suffered. When he was tempted, he was able to help those who are being tempted. Thank you, Fiona, and thank you, Shirley. This morning we come to what is a tremendously encouraging passage of Scripture that will really help us to focus in uh, on the work of Jesus on the cross for each one of us and will lead us well into a time of communion. Just for those of you who haven't been with us for the last uh, couple of weeks, let me just recap and just set the context for this letter to the Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews is written to a group of Jewish converts to Christianity and it's there to really help them to build them up in their faith and to encourage them in their faith at a time of opposition from the Jewish community around them uh, where people were challenging them as to why they have chosen to follow Jesus Christ. And this letter is written uh, to help them uh, to be affirmed in their faith and to know that they have made the right and better choice in following Jesus. In fact, more than that, they've made the natural choice for Jesus Christ is the culmination and fulfillment of all that the Jewish faith was longing for and hoping for and pointing towards. And so this letter is written to help them to focus on the person of Jesus and all that he has done for them and to help them to see how Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament has spoken of. 
There's a second group that this letter is written to also. Uh, and that is a group that are present within every church. Uh, those who are intrigued by Jesus and who are wondering whether they should also take a step of putting their faith in him. And so this letter is written again uh, just to help them to see how putting their faith in Jesus Christ would be the best decision they could ever make in their lives. And so you have these wonderful passages of scripture in Hebrews that help us to see the person of Jesus more clearly. Chapter one, seeing Jesus in all his divinity. Chapter two, seeing Jesus in his humanity, the one who has left the glories of heaven to come to earth and to go to the cross for each one of us. And sandwiched between these uh, passages, as Shirley unpacked for us last week, are these moments where the author just pauses and offers a personal word of exhortation and challenge and invitation. And that came in two forms last week. Uh, firstly, I challenged those who are Jewish converts to Christianity not to drift away from their faith despite the opposition and despite things that were happening in their lives. And that is a personal message for each of us today as well. Because we know in any relationship that with every day that passes, we can either become closer to someone or we can drift away from them. And so there is a challenge for us as well as to examining our own lives and thinking about where our relationship with Christ is at this morning. And secondly, there was this challenge uh, to those who were looking on, uh, to those who were intrigued by Jesus, not to neglect that offer of salvation, that just as God's word had come in the Old Testament with signs and miracles and wonders as the law comes down at Sinai, and as we think about all that God had done in that time in God's people's life, as he had led them out of Egypt and into the wilderness, just as that word had come with power and there were consequences for not accepting it, so God has spoken again in a new way through Jesus Christ. And that word too has also come with signs and miracles and wonders and gifts of the Holy Spirit that testify to the divine truth of it. And God says, just as there are consequences for ignoring the law, so there are consequences for ignoring this offer of salvation. And the author to the Hebrews says, don't neglect this great offer of salvation, but act on it, receive on it. Uh, put your trust afresh in Jesus Christ. And we know that scripture reminds us that today if we hear his voice, we are not to harden our hearts. And that too is a challenge to each one of us, that if God is speaking to us, if we are intrigued by who Jesus is, then we need to respond to that message and make a decision around that. For our decision as to who Jesus Christ is has eternal consequences. Well, as we prepare to take communion this morning, and as these verses focus on Christ's work on the cross, I want to encourage us this morning and highlight to us three ways that if we are Christians this morning, that our lives have been changed by Jesus' work on the cross. And the first thing that I want us to note this morning is that we are saved to reign with him. We are saved by Jesus to reign with him. I wonder if you remember that old pop song. 
Everybody wants to rule the world. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing again. No need to switch off. But there's this truth that everybody wants to rule the world. And this question that is posed, who is it that rules the world today? Who is it that rule the world to come? What does God's word have to say about that? And intriguingly, that is the theme that these opening verses for us this morning open up. Let's read together verse 5 to 8, and it says this, It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking, but there is a place where someone has testified, What is mankind that you are mindful of them? A son of man that you care for him. You made them a little lower than the angels, and you crowned them with glory and honour, and put everything under their feet. In putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at present we do not see everything subject to them. Intriguing verses. What are these verses speaking about? Well, we know that much of Hebrews is drawn from the Old Testament, and these verses come from Psalm chapter 8. And Psalm 8 is a, a short psalm, and it's helpful for us to read it now to understand the context. And so it says this, Psalm 8. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. And when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? human beings, that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honour. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild and the birds of the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. What are these verses teaching us? Well, in writing the psalm, David is teaching us about the created order. And David is reminding us that while the Lord is the great creator, the great sustainer of the heavens and earth, the one whose glory fills all of creation, that in the beginning, God crowned mankind as well with glory and honour. And he gave us a special mandate. And what was that mandate? Well, that mandate was to rule over creation. Not to rule over creation in a domineering way where we abuse our power, but to rule over creation in the image of God in whom we have been created. To rule over creation and to tend and to care for it responsibly, to ensure that it would flourish and thrive for the glory of God. That was our calling as humanity at the beginning of creation. 
We know from reading scripture and from looking around our world that there was a problem. We know that sin entered into creation and God's good plans and purposes for our lives were disturbed. And as sin enters creation, that creative order is affected and suddenly creation begins to grow. Suddenly the earth which was blessed by God becomes cursed. And no longer is it subject to us, rather it begins to push back against our efforts to tend and care for it. And if you want to know the reality of that, if you've been out in your gardens this weekend trying to tend for that bit of creation that God has given you, you might know the the pain and the toil and the sweat of trying to control all those weeds that are in your garden. That is the reality of Genesis chapter 3. You can go and read it later and look at it. God says to mankind, because you have sinned, this earth is going to become cursed. And rather than being easy to tend and to care for, it's going to produce weeds and thorns and thistles. And it will be by the sweat of your brow that you manage to try and control it and bring order to it. And it will be by the sweat of your brow now that it will produce food for you. What a difference that was to that symbiotic relationship that was there in the start that we were to tend and to care for creation in order to allow it to flourish and to thrive. And that as it flourished and thrived, so it would provide for all our needs. We know that that relationship with creation is broken. We look at the way that we abuse our planet. We think about all that is done within our planet for the sake of greed and commercial gain. We go out for a walk and we see that litter and pollution and we think of those plastics that fill our oceans. And we think about things like that commercial deforestation that is happening right around our world. And we see all those sins that are committed and we know the reality of these words in Scripture. And so our relationship with creation is broken. And something else happened at the fall. Instead of the world being under uh, the sole rule of God and the delegated rule of mankind, so there is another who appears on the scene to try and seize power and assert his rule and influence and authority over the world. And that is Satan. But the wonderful thing about our verses this morning is it speaks about Jesus Christ and his work on the cross to make all things new and how Jesus Christ is at work in order to restore all that has been lost. The first thing that we see in these verses this morning is that we are saved to reign with him again. that while we lost our identity and calling as mankind, one day we will rediscover that in Christ. The writer to the Hebrews tells us that the world to come has not been subjected to angels, even powerful fallen angels like Satan. 
The incredible thing about the world to come is that it will be subject to us as we take up our place again as redeemed humanity in all our glory. And we learn again what it means to rule and to reign with Christ over the new creation. One day, we're going to rediscover afresh God's good plans and purposes for our lives. Revelation chapter 5, verse 9 and 10 says this, beginning to speak of Jesus, says this, Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, because you were slain. By your blood you purchased for God those from every tongue and tribe and people and nation. And you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. And they will reign upon the earth. What an incredible future we have awaiting us in Christ. At the moment, we don't see the reality of it, but we can know it because of Jesus. Let's look at what it says in verse 9 to 13. It says this, But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honour because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. And in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. And he says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly, I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here am I and the children God has given me. Well, the second thing that I want us to note this morning is that we are saved by Jesus to be one. We are saved by Jesus to be one. God has so much in store for you and I, and all of it is prefigured in the person of Christ. The writer to the Hebrews says that you might not see the reality yet of what I'm talking about, but you do see Jesus. And Jesus is your great pioneer and forerunner. His life reveals to you what lies in store for those who trust in Jesus. And we thought about that great inheritance we have in Christ as we studied Ephesians. And scripture as a whole talks about how Jesus leaves the glories of heaven, making himself lower than the angels to come to earth, and to suffer, to suffer death on the cross for us. And then after that, he is resurrected, raised back to life, after which he ascends to heaven and takes up that place of honor, exalted over all, with everything put under his feet. It mirrors that great hymn of praise that we see in Philippians. 
And here is the incredible thing about what Jesus has done on the cross for us. As we are joined by faith with Christ, as we are united with Christ, what he experiences becomes a spiritual reality for you and I today. So as he dies on the cross, as we are united with him in faith, so our sins are put to death. Hallelujah. And as we are united with him in his resurrection, so we are raised to new life, inheriting both a spiritual new life now today as we are born again, but also awaiting that day when Christ ascended and exalted will return for us, having gone before us to prepare a place for us where one day we will be with him and reign with him forevermore. And the incredible thing about these verses is that it speaks about us being adopted into the family of God. You know, that word family is the primary picture that the New Testament uses to speak of the church. And here in these verses, it says that Jesus is so pleased with us. And he is not ashamed to call you and I this morning his brother or sister. Wow, that should blow our minds. You mean so much to Jesus today. You have worth and value in his sight. And because we have worth and value in the sight of Jesus, we should have worth and value in the eyes of one another this morning. God has drawn us together as this holy family where we are to be one with him and one with each other. In Jesus Christ, all those barriers and divisions have been broken down. And as Jesus forgives us and as we are reconciled to him and the Father, so within this community of grace, we are to practice that forgiveness and we are to walk united and reconciled to one another. And so we are saved to reign with Christ. We are saved to be one with him. And thirdly and finally this morning as we end, we are saved in order that we might have freedom in Christ. What a tremendous truth this is for us this morning. As we come to celebrate communion, let us read these last few verses and it says this since the children have flesh and blood he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death that is the devil and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death for surely it is not angels he helps but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people, because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. Are you in need of help this morning? Are you in need of freedom? 
We think back to that garden, that broken creation order, and in that vacuum that sin brings, so Satan arises, ever strengthening his power and control over the world and over your life and mine. But here is the good news of the gospel with the coming of Jesus. There is hope. It is Jesus who breaks that power that Satan and sin has over our lives as he triumphs over the powers of darkness on the cross. And as he does so, we are set free. The cross was a unique demonstration of God's love and all that has been done for you and I as Abraham's descendants. It is for us that he came. It is for us that he sought to bring his salvation. As we end this morning, know this, because of Jesus and because of the cross, Satan is defeated. If you are in Christ, Satan has no hold over you any longer. That power over your life is broken. If you are in Christ, you should know no fear this morning. For you are a child of God. Your sins have been atoned for. No one can ever bind you again. You cannot be bound in those chains of guilt or shame or sin. For you have been cleansed by Jesus. And as far as the east is from the west, your sins have been removed from you. Your past mistakes forgiven and forgotten. And you have been raised to a place of glory and honor in the eyes of Jesus. He calls you his brother and sister. What a wonderful passage this is this morning. Because of sin, because of Satan, so much has been lost in our world. We have lost our identity and calling as the people of God. That identity and calling to reign with him. Because of sin and Satan, there are so many divisions in our world. So many barriers of unforgiveness in our lives. And yet through Jesus and the cross, we have been shown a new way. A new way of grace and mercy and forgiveness and reconciliation. And as we are reconciled with Christ, so we are to be reconciled with one another. And through sin and Satan, there is so much that binds us and binds those in our world today. And he keeps a hold over our lives and keeps us in that place of guilt and shame and sin, reminding us of our past mistakes. And yet in Christ, all is forgiven. And we are set free. He is the one who knows our sufferings. He is the one who knows our temptations. He is the one who has walked in our shoes. And yet he offers us today a fresh start, a new start. You see, he is the one who has walked the path that we have walked, and yet he is overcome. And if we are in Christ, so we can overcome to this morning. That is a message of hope. That is a message of celebration this day. As we end, is there anything that is binding you this morning? 
Is there anything from your past, mistakes that have happened, that have a hold on your life this morning? I want to declare to you today in the name of Jesus and in the presence of Jesus that because of Jesus, there is nothing that can have a hold over you if you are in Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ desires that you would step boldly and confidently into all that God has in store for you this day. So as we end, let us just come into his presence as we prepare our hearts to take communion. Let's just have a moment of silence and let us just ask God that if there is anything binding us this morning, if there is anything that has a hold over us this morning, that we would know that freedom in Christ that Jesus offers. Let us thank God and praise God for all that he is and for all that he has done for us on the cross. And let us prepare as we uh, just prepare our hearts and minds to take communion this morning. Let us ask that the blood of Jesus would wash over us. That his work on the cross might become real to us by his Holy Spirit. And that we would truly know that freedom in Christ that he offers today. Father God, we pray that Satan would not have a hold over us today. We thank you that if we are in Christ Jesus, that there is freedom available, that there is forgiveness available. We thank you for Jesus Christ and all that he has done on the cross. We thank you for the way that he is making all things new, that that which was lost in the garden, will one day be redeemed. And that includes us today. We thank you that we are saved to reign with you. We thank you that we are saved to be one with you and one with one another. And thank you, Lord, that we are saved to experience your freedom in all its fullness. May we know the reality of that in our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.